It's your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Happy to have you guys back for another day. Good show coming up. Lavelle E. Neal III from the Star Tribune joins me here in just a little bit talking twins. He is down in Fort Myers uh, until the end of camp next week. Helping out down there, writing some columns uh, down there with our colleague Phil Miller. And just he had some good observations on injuries, lineup stuff. And also he had a really good piece earlier this week. He did his own top 10 twins prospect rankings. And I wanted to pick his brain on some of the people on that list and some of the people not on that list, frankly, that maybe you are used to seeing mentioned as some of the Twins' top prospects. So Lavelle will be joining me here in just a couple minutes. Got a Vikings mock draft, interesting mock draft uh, to note uh, quarterback to the Vikings at 23. I'll just leave it at that for now and get to that towards the end of the show. First, though, what did I miss? I'm going to talk Wild and Wolves here at the jump, starting with the Wild. little Matt Boldy appreciation. Um, He's having a good year. He was really good last year when he came up. But this year uh, seems to have elevated his game to another level, and specifically in the last six games with Kirill Kaprizov out with that injury, um, <clears throat> kind of helping the Wild navigate that time. Only one regulation loss during that stretch, and Boldy making sure the Wild got two points in Tuesday night's game in New Jersey. Um, he <laughs> it was it was quite a quite a game, quite a finish. Seemed like it was a bit of a slog at times. Um, the Wild really leaned heavily on Philip Gustafson, had more than 40 saves, I think 47, 48 saves in that game, turning away shot after shot. I think he had 20 saves in the third period. It was scoreless going into the third. Wild got one. The New Jersey got one back. Both of them similar goals, kind of wraparounds that banked off the goalie. And then they got to overtime. And it's just kind of going up and down the ice. That's kind of the nature of hockey overtime these days, right? Three on three, so much open ice. It's pretty fun. But uh, it's a last shift. And Boldy, Matt Boldy's been out there for over a minute, and he gets a breakaway. It's just kind of they've been going back and forth up and down the ice. And he gets another breakaway, goes down, and beats the clock by it was less than two seconds. It was close to one second left. You could tell that he had beaten the clock, but it was getting down there. Scores the game-winning goal with you know one two seconds left in overtime, giving the Wild the two to one win. Now they move, they temporarily moved into sole possession of first place in the Central. Then Dallas came back and got a point in their game, so they're tied now, ninety points each, in uh, with eleven games left each. So that uh, that right there telling you how tight that race is shaping up to be. But Boldy, six goals and four assists in the last six games, all of those since Kirill Kaprizov was injured, kind of becoming, you know, he already was essentially that kind of anchoring that that second line, but kind of becoming that next-level player again and, you know, having some good chemistry with Marcus Johansson, finding some chemistry on that line. So that is good news for the Wild heading into you know what what we assume now is certainly going to be the playoffs, but what could be a playoff run if he keeps playing like this. So here is Dean Evison, by the way, head coach of the Wild after the game, talking to reporters about Matt Boldy, that play, and his play in general. Yeah, I mean, he's getting obviously lots of looks, so... Um, you know, to have the gas that he had at the end was uh, impressive. Yeah, he has shot more, right? And uh, and then obviously they're going in the net. So 
you know, like, like I said, he, he gets three breakaways. He shoots, right? He, he deked, obviously, on the last one, but um, he's shooting the puck uh, with a purpose, and, you know, he's getting lots of looks. Again, that line was real good for us. And again, it's hard to find silver linings when your best player, Kirill Kaprizov, is injured, but if it means the elevation, the further elevation of Matt Boldy's game, then maybe, just maybe, there was a silver lining in that. Now, speaking of injuries, Carl Anthony Towns, been out for 50-plus games with the Timberwolves. Some questions about his timeline, how long it was going to take him to come back from this calf strain. Some questions about, you know, what happened along the way with his injury. We'll get to that in a minute. But he is listed officially as questionable for tonight's game at Target Center against the Hawks. Matt squares pretty well with something Chris Finch was saying the other day, that he's really, really close, that he's getting there with his, you know, with his ramp-up, stuff like that. So he could play as soon as tonight. Now, whether Anthony Edwards joins him, been injured with that uh, that ankle for the last few games, that's another question. But Carl Anthony Towns seems like he is tracking, trending to make his first you know first appearance since late November, and that would be you know an interesting boon for the Wolves. You don't know what to expect when a player has missed that much time. Obviously, he's had some ramp up. He's been playing. You know, he's been scrimmaging stuff like that. So he, he's not just coming from coming out cold and back into a game, but what what he's able to give them, I think, is the secondary question now after we answer the question, is he actually coming back? Now, that piece of it's been interesting because there's been some conflicting reports on timeline. He said the other day, uh, he told The Athletic that he was you know he had a major setback in January. Um, Chris Finch going on WCCO yesterday talking about, well, you know, you've got so many people talking about this. And he had said previously there wasn't a setback. He said, you know, some things get lost in translation, stuff like that. Now, to me, still, I'm, I'm still unsure how that all played out because if, if the, if the, if the quote-unquote setback when, when Towns showed up in the walking boot in a picture he took was really late January, that was two months after the injury. That feels like it would have been something of a setback if it was a different phase. Like, wouldn't you have been in a walking boot prior to that if you were, um, you know, if you were that injured? I don't know. That's just me. That's just me kind of spitballing here. I'm still confused by the timeline and how, how everything played out. Ultimately, it wouldn't matter all that much if he came back, played well, helped the Wolves get into the playoffs. But I've still got some lingering unanswered questions about this that uh, that I don't know if we're ever going to be fully satisfied by. But if he plays tonight, that will be the bigger storyline, and we will see what happens when they take the court at Target Center against the Hawks. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M, so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. From sunny Florida... Lavelle E. Neal III joins me right now. He looks very comfortable in his element. He's got a short sleeve shirt on. None of us are doing short sleeves yet, at least uh, those of us who value our skin. It's getting a little better here, Lavelle, but I'm sure it's uh, it's nice to be in Florida right now, is it not? Yeah, it was funny. Uh, it was only 68 degrees on Sunday, and I walked up to the press gate with a shorts and a, just uh, one of these golf shirts on, and everybody else has got on pants and long pants and jackets and sweatshirts they were like you look like someone that just came from minnesota and i said <laughs> yes it was 10 degrees when i left minnesota on friday so this feels great to me 
Well, yeah, we, my, my brought our family to uh, California in, in early February and it was nice out, but it was, you know, for California, it was, you know, it was, it was I think a lot of people thought it was chilly and somewhat. We, we like stayed in a hotel the last night we were there in LA and it was like, um, it was like 70 degrees, but it's like an outdoor pool at night. We go swimming anyway. And people are like, what are you doing? What's going on here? So, <laughs> kind of funny. So I know the feeling. Um, well, we're not here to talk about the weather so much, Lavelle. We're here to talk about the twins. What, uh, what do you make of what you've seen so far? It looks like there's some interesting camp storylines, but also uh, maybe some injury concerns that are that are coming up already. Yeah, you know that's it. You know, I, I think it's a good thing. Uh, I'm actually writing about this for Wednesday's paper. It's a good thing that Falvey invested in some of the players he added to the roster uh, late in free agency. Um, although signing trade for Cal Farmer wasn't uh, late, but like signing Michael Taylor was and kind of trying to figure out ways to deepen that roster as much as possible because they're going to need these guys right away uh, because uh, Polanco hasn't played in a game. He hasn't played in the minor league game, in the backfield or anything uh, as he's coming back from knee surgery. And it looks like he is not going to be ready for opening day. So look for Kyle Farmer to start second. And then uh, Alex Kirilov is getting some swings on the backfield and playing some first base. Uh, but, he has yet to be activated for like a regular spring tra- major league spring training game. So I don't know if there's going to be enough uh, bats for him. That means that Joey Gallo may start at first base on opening day. And then Michael A. Taylor will have to play in left field. So <clears throat> the depth is already, already coming into play for the 20, uh, 23 twins. And my, my greatest fear, so I guess it's not a fear, it's just a concern that um, this this script has been flipped now. They're going to have to rely on pitching and defense to compete, and not so much uh, of an offense. You know, three years ago, they were four years ago, they were the bombing squad. Yeah. Uh, you know, they don't show those twi- traits anymore. I'm concerned about the leadoff hitter uh, with the departure of Luis Arias. I mean, Rocco's name is six guys that could lead off. He's naming Max Kepler and Joey Gallo as, as options to lead off. You know, Gallo in 2021. Walked 111 times to lead the lead the, the league, um, despite I think he still hit like 205 that year, maybe worse, uh, before last year's disaster with the Yankees. So even if he does draw a lot of walks, he's going to be a three true outcome guy. You know, I'm not uh, liking the leadoff options, and they definitely don't have a bona fide cleanup guy in the middle of the order uh, like a Nelson Cruz. Tell me who the Twins' uh, cleanup hitter should be. You know especially if like someone like Gallo has to lead off a couple of times against right-handers. So this offense has got some continuity issues, I think. They've got good hitters. I think Polanco takes terrific at-bats, and he should be batting among the top three. I think Buxton should be up in the top three. I think Correa should be up in the top three. But is Miranda ready to be a number four hitter? Do you have to put Kipler four by default? Um, those guys aren't necessarily prototypical, you know, hard-of-the-order guys. So Miranda probably has that, that potential. By the way, he looks like he's in fantastic shape. Okay. Kepler looks in fantastic shape. Uh, Gallo looks great. Um, there's some, a bunch of guys really came in prepared to get after it uh, this spring. But I still think they're going to be competitive. I still think they got a shot winning the division. Uh, but it's it's not the, – the style, the style factor is not going to be as high as it's been in past years just because they may have to win some 3-1 games, 4-2 games, you know, um, you're not going to see it like a huge offensive output. 
No, it makes sense to me. And that's, I, I mentioned that to, I mentioned that to Falvey when I had him on, I think a couple of weeks ago from, from spring training, just like a lot of the moves they made this off season were predicated on depth. They were predicated on a lot of things, but the pitching to me seems like it's ahead of the offense right now. You have five starting pitchers, really six. If we count Bailey Ober, who are either some combination of veterans that, you know, are, are going to be good if healthy or young guys like Joe Ryan or Bailey Ober, who you feel pretty good about if they're healthy and you've, you've got some options there. You feel good about the back end of the bullpen with Joan Duran. Um, we'll see how Lopez uh, uh, does this, this time around. Uh, well, that was a little bit of a, a mixed bag last year after the trade from Baltimore, but you feel a lot better about the pitching and especially the defense, like up the middle defense when Buxton's healthy, you know, you're talking about Vasquez catching Buxton. You got Taylor in the mix. You got a good defensive outfield. You got Correa short. Um, you got a lot of things to like about the pitching and defense. It's the hitting. That's the question, right? It's totally different than it was four years ago. And it's just natural roster attrition as it should be, but it could be a much different feeling twins team. Um, especially yeah. if, if some of these injuries, like if, if Polanco and Kirloff, miss any kind of extended time that takes a big chunk out of the lineup yeah it does uh but defensive pitching can make up for uh offense that's not prolific yes but if your offense has to out hit a poor pitching staff or a poor defensive unit that's very hard to do on a, on a daily basis so if they're going to be constructed in a certain way this way is much better than being a bomba squad without a strong pitching staff and glove work behind you so um this is why I think they can be uh, fairly competitive. The one thing about the rotation I would also keep an eye on is how fast Kenta Maeda can get into form after coming back from Tommy John's surgery. Um, he's had more than a year uh, since surgery, with October, November, December, January, February. So he's had like 17 months, 18 right. months since he had surgery. Uh, so he, he should be healthy. Uh, but, you know, I talked to scouts on Saturday. They've been watching him. They were watching him pitch in a couple of minor league games, and um, his fastball's down about two miles an hour, which doesn't surprise me. Um, he's 34, which is possible. And two, um, he may be on that progression like some other pitchers who have to start throwing in like the high 80s and slowly add velocity as they get through camp. And he's confident he can get to about 93. Two, uh, his command wasn't there. And uh, scouts were telling me that he was actually, you know, complaining about ball and strike calls, trying to get, you know, those okay. calls to kind of help his cost. So the, they view that as a little bit of a concern here. So he's still working through some things. So it's a good thing that Bailey Over is having a strong camp because that could put him in position to at least uh, piggyback off of Meta starts and Meta falters or step in for the guy if he needs more time in between starts or just isn't ready to rock and roll coming out of camp. So, uh, it's always good when someone's making the decision hard for a team and Ober's doing that right now with a pretty good spring. That's pretty interesting because Maida is a guy that I had kind of had, you know, as a as a key to the season. I mean, this is a guy who is second in the Cy Young voting, albeit in that very right. short COVID year and, you know, got hurt in the 21 season, missed all last year. So a guy who, you know, if you're talking about upside, he's got a lot of it, but you're just kind of waiting to see what what kind of comes of it this year, you know, a guy who's got a, you know, a pretty high ceiling when he's at his best, but when you're coming off injury could have a pretty low floor. So that that's a pretty interesting one to me, but you're right. Ober has looked great in camp so far, generally speaking, and could, could be that guy. Um, Lavelle, I want to shift for a little while here to talk about 
you did a, t- a top 10 Twins minor league prospect report um, that I thought was pretty interesting. It was pretty telling some of the names on the list and off the list. I think we'll start on the list. We're not even going to warm up to it. We're not, we're not going to start at the bottom. We're going to start at the top with a guy who has turned a lot of heads uh, pretty early in his career, Brooks Lee. Um, you got him number one on your list. Carlos Correa said a lot of good things about him. Um, he, he was he had a really good season last year, um, de- debuting. He had over 300 across a few different minor league levels. Correa saying you could see him in the majors already this year. What 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 do they like about him so far? His bat to ball skills are excellent. Uh, you know he played for his dad. I think it was a coach in college, um, so he's got the the baseball acumen down pretty pretty well, and he's very capable as, as a defensive player. So, um, but. It's a good thing. It's always a good thing when you draft a kid out of college who actually shows that he may be closer than than he is instead of some college kids that need like three or four years to be ready. It looks like Lee would be better ready sooner than later. Um, hitting 303 last year among three different levels, finishing at Wichita, that puts him on the yeah. radar uh, for this year. It definitely does. If there's a run of injuries, they may get down to the Brooks Lee as an option. You know, the, the call up and try to stem the tide here. So. Um, power, you know, power will probably be for a lot of younger hitters is sometimes the last thing to come, but he definitely has line drivability. So there's a lot to like with Brooks. And it was hard. It was hard trying to determine whether it should be Brooks Lee or Royce Lewis as a, as a top prospect, because sure. I've seen them both listed as number one in different boards, you know? Yeah. Um, Royce is such a fantastic athlete. Uh, and I was definitely influenced by his brief stint here last year when he played, 10 game, 12 games and hit 300 and looked like he belonged at the plate uh, before he ran into the center field wall and injured his knee for the second straight year. Um, that was really unfortunate. Still, Royce is still just 23, though. Yeah. After all this, after missing a couple of years of development, he's still just 23 and he still shows great ability. And um, his charisma uh, is obvious in the clubhouse. You know, I mean, he was actually happy to see me when I walked in. I was like, I didn't think this kid remember who I was, you know? So, uh, so it was tough. It was tough picking Lee between Lee and Lewis for one and two. So um, that's where I was uh, stuck with those guys. Um, I'm, I'll stop there. You probably got some more questions. <laughs> well, no, it's good. Cause you lead right into my next question, which is kind of, there's not a lot of usual suspects after that. I think a lot of people know about Brooks Lee and certainly know about, Royce Lewis, those are high draft picks. They're, you know, they're those are guys that have been mentioned a lot. I, I bet a lot of people don't know as much about your number three guy, Emmanuel Rodriguez. Only twenty years old, um, had a really good, you know, really good year last year at Fort Myers. Had over uh, over a thousand OPS, um, power, speed. What what is is it the upside that put that puts him on on this on this high on your list? Yeah, those power speed combo guys. Uh, you look at like a Julio Rodriguez for Seattle. You know. Um, uh, Rodriguez isn't as big as Julio, uh, but I actually watched him play Saturday on the backfield. He's got wheels, and it looks like he swings at strikes, and that's going to give him a chance here. He's not a guy who has a bad strike zone. He has relatively good strikes on judgment. Uh, he's got some pop, I was told, and he's got wheels. I know I watched him like ground out, but yeah. he made it a bang bang play, you know, because he can move. So it's tantalizing when you have that type of combination in the player. And the fact that uh, he does have, he is aware of what a strike is, that actually is going to help his cost. So at 20 years old, I'm curious to see how he moves through the system this year. Number four on your list, an actual left-handed starting pitching prospect. Say it isn't so Amazing. Amazing. I couldn't believe it. You know, 
Uh, the the last good I think the last time they had a left-hander start more than twenty games in a season it was Alberto Mejia. Yes, yes. So, so I think we're going back to like 2018, 2017 with that. Um, and he wasn't the Twins prospect; he was a trade. So um, the Twins are actually developing this kid who has an interesting backstory. Walked in as a freshman at Alabama and basically became their number one pitcher. Then came the uh, pandemic, so it kind of wiped out his. Uh, 2020 season and then 2021 he blew out his elbow needed tommy john and it took him from may of last year to may no may of the year before to may of 2022 so he pretty much missed all of last year's college season um scouts got a chance to look at him uh at the combine which i didn't know existed and then uh, during uh, a, a bullpen session at the university of alabama where he pitched uh, the Twins were encouraged enough to take a flyer on this kid. All right. So on Saturday, uh, he enters the game, and there's a bunch of scouts there because there's just not a lot of recent tape on him. And so the guns were out. Uh, scouts were paying attention to every pitch. He he kept hitting 94 consistently. Um, I was told on the backfield he's been he's been known to touch 97. The slider is a legitimate badass pitch. Uh, he kept throwing it for first and second pitch strikes, oh. getting ahead of hairs with it, and then you know trying to finish him off with the fastball, which I liked. Um, does not have a feel for a changeup, and that's going to be the next hurdle for him as he as he moves up the system. But the tools are there. You got a lefty that throws at least ninety four. You know that's a weapon, and you got a slider like he has. That's a weapon. The last frontier is getting a feel for a change, and then yep. uh, he could be a guy who could come up sooner than later. Interesting. So number five on the list, Edward Julian. We saw a lot of him early in camp. He impressed them. Marco Raya, number six, a, a young right-handed pitcher. Simeon Woods Richardson, number seven. We know a lot about him already too, because he came over. Uh, he he was part of the uh, the Barrios trade, right? He was the the other piece right. of that with Austin Martin, who is not on your list, by the way. Um, maybe give me the uh, Julian's a guy that I think intrigued a lot of people, especially with his ability to get on base and his big season at Wichita last year. Yeah, and then after Wichita, he went to the Arizona Fall League and crushed. I think, right. he, hit near, I think he hit 400 and near 400, had OPS over 1,000, show pop. Um, he's got a swing, man, and he has good, great strikes on judgment. Um, I don't know if the Twins are actually making a, a point of finding guys with, with good judgment. It seems like they've had a few run through the system here. You got guys like Miranda, who's up yep. with the majors now, um, arise before him, and now you've got uh, you got guys like Julian – who was showing that as well. Um, but he looks like he could be a guy who's going to end up hitting 20 to 25 homers, batting at least two eighties and driving some runs here. He's going to be a, he's going to be a factor. No defensive position. I was told none. none. They've got him at second base because you have to have a position for someone, but he's going to try to be functional at second. Uh, and that's the best uh, uh, he can do, but uh, he's going to get to the majors because of the bat of his bat. And, you know, if he was a better defensive player, he'd be higher in this list. I'd probably yeah. have him in the three spot in front of Rodriguez, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, it's going to be fun watching him put up numbers, uh, especially because that, like, that AAA uh, St. Paul squad could be really, really dangerous if if Julian makes it and if league gets promoted. And with the pitchers like Josh Winder and uh, and uh, Cole Sands and some and of Woods Richardson, who aren't going to make the major league team, we part of the rotation. St. Paul's going to have a very interesting team this year. Always fun to watch that too. I mean, Julian's interesting because he's 
you know, uh, we're not going to make a logical leap here, but he, it does seem like he profiles a little bit like a rise, albeit with a little bit more power than a rise, maybe not quite the, the, the hitting for average, but a guy necessarily, not necessarily with the, with the great defensive acumen, like a rise. Did, did he essentially make a rise a, a little bit more expendable or am I, am I taking too much of a, a leap there? Uh, I think that the just well between you and me in the podcast world, I think the Twins have been willing to move Arias for a couple of off seasons now, um, because of his defense. Because he's at first base now, he's not yeah. even at second; he's at right. first. And two, um, his he's got a chronic knee problem that right. I think there's some concern that it's going to get him later in his career, uh, or maybe in the next few years. So, despite the fact that I give Luis credit. Um, he came in with kind of a soft body when he debuted. Last year, he went and worked out with Nelson Cruz and came back for the 22 season in greatest shape of his career. And uh, it was, and he uh, ended up with a uh, 316 average to win the batting title. Uh, so he knows his, he knows what he's fighting against and knowing is half the battle, you know. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how this trade works out because Arias may learn how to hit for power. And if he can do that while hitting 300, it's going to be hard for Twins fans to watch him swing it for the Marlins. But if he doesn't hit for power and it starts breaking down, then they're going to be glad they had Pablo Lopez. Absolutely. And not just Lopez too, because here's the last three on your list. We got Louis Varland. Obviously we know about Louis. He's right. from North St. Paul. Um, Concordia went, you know, looked pretty good in, in a little bit of a, a taste last year in the big leagues. But then you got two teenage prospects, including uh, Yasser Mercedes, an 18 year old from the Dominican and Jose Salas, who they got also in the, in that Arias trade. Tell, tell me about Salas as we kind of round out this list. Yeah, Salas, you know, um, as I pointed out, uh, the Twins had been talking to the Marlins about a Lopez for Arias trade all for much of the offseason. <laughs> the Twins wanted more than just Lopez in, in return. And I remember I asked my source in, when was the trade made? February or January? Uh, it was before Twins Fest. So yeah. it had to be January. January, yep. So I asked the source like on a Monday, I said, okay, what's going on with this? You know, yep. it's like, we're not, we're not going to trade a rice just for Lopez. Yep. Two days later, the trades are now. So I'm like, what the hell happened? Yep. And the Marlins called an offer minor league. Yep. <laughs> so uh, it kind of went down that quick. As soon as the Marlins decided, we'll send you a couple of minor leaguers. And so it's like, okay. And the Salas kid is one of those guys who has like, like a frame to fill out. And yep. they're hoping that once he grows into his body and his skills kick in, that he can end up being a force at the plate. So, you know, right now he's an infielder, uh, shortstop third baseman, maybe could play some second. Uh, but, you know, definitely uh, just because of uh, his physical uh, potential and he's from a, he's a, from a baseball family. I think his, both his parents, his, his father and grandfather both play. I think uncle played as well. So I think the bloodlines plus his ability to feel out could make him a very interesting prospect. So. Notable too on this list of L before we move on to one more thing and let you go. Uh, the guys who aren't on this list. I mean, a lot of the usual suspects don't make this list. So you guys like Austin Martin, Matt Cantorino, not on this list. Balazovich, not on this list. You know, some guys who have had maybe some injury problems. No Matt Waldner too, maybe controversial there with some, uh, some local loving Quinns fans. What, 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 what got those guys off the list and maybe some, some of the younger prospects onto the list. Walner was like the closest guy. He was probably yeah. my 11, number 11 prospect. Uh, he was my last cut um, after I checked around and got some a lot of hype on Yeser Mercedes. Apparently, okay. this kid is like the most tooled up player in the organization right now. Okay. So, um, but Walner, the thing is, is that he's got strike zone judgment and he's got 
the power. And he, no, he has a great arm in the outfield too. Okay. Can't hit a can't hit a breaking ball. That's the issue. His ability to hit off speed pitches is going to determine you know how much of an impact he's going to have in the majors. You know, um, is he going to be a Joey Gallo type? You know, I don't know if he hits the ball. As, I don't know if he destroys the baseball as much as Gallo does, but he does have power and he does have a good arm. He can move a little bit in the outfield. So, um, I mean, he's still a prospect. Being a number eleven guy is not the worst thing. In the of course world. not. Of I course just, not. You know, once once I once I heard people sing about Mercedes, I was like, you know, I'm gonna put him in number ten and, and drop um, Warner out. Austin Martin came here. They tried. They, you know, the Twins have been in love with Martin since the draft. You know, like this guy was the best hitter come out of the draft that year. Um, they were like, okay, let's try to get you to hit for some power and try yeah. to make him adjust his swing. It was a disaster. Yeah, it was. Just, it didn't work. And now he's gone back to his old way. And uh, I think you will see him jump during the regular season now. Um, now he's back to swinging the way he likes to swing it, or, or is more comfortable swinging. Uh, Cantorino's had some injury problems. Yep. Uh, Balazovich uh, has thing. had some injury problems. But but when he came back from the knee injury, he was horrible at St. Paul. He had like yeah, a DRA. Yep. It was bad. You know, so I, I think he was looking forward to getting uh, uh, turning over a new leaf in camp this year. But then he got sucker punched at this bar in Fort Myers right. or on right. the street in downtown Fort Myers that has delayed him. Uh, but actually, uh, Balazovich is throwing a live bullpen session today on okay. the backfield. He's supposed to, he's supposed to enter a game here in the next five days. So his preseason is starting to roll up here. So he'll probably be a part of that, uh, that St. Paul rotation as well. Lavelle, two more things. One, I think you, I think I heard you took a little uh, stroll down the beach there. What's what's the uh, what's what's the the lay of the land in terms of just what's what's still damaged and what uh, what what it looks like down there in Fort Myers right now? Yeah, it was depressing. I I just feel felt for the residents there. Uh, some beautiful places are just gone. There's like wide open swaths where there used to be buildings, and they have you know they were destroyed by the hurricane. <laughs> They've been clean, cleaned up and moved. And the debris has been moved away, and it's leaving like these empty spaces. I mean, okay. there's views of the Gulf of Mexico that didn't exist a year ago uh, because buildings are missing. Uh, my one of my favorite bars at Beachwell yes. is fenced is fenced off, and there's nothing there except a yard of gravel. Mm. You know, um, it looks like some areas, some parts of Fort Myers Beach look like it was a war zone 25 years ago, and no one did anything with it after wow. after it happened. You know. Uh, but you hear the sign, you hear construction noise in the background off in the distance. I'm sure it's been hard, A, for people to get cleaned up, to get their debris moved, to figure out what they could salvage, what's not salvage. But two, get insurance claims taken care of. And three, getting construction people to come and repair or rebuild. So you're seeing smatterings of that going on up and down the beach. I called Patrick Royce. Yep. And I, I proudly told him that. Your favorite taco place, Yo Taco, is still open on <laughs> Fort Myers Beach. They they have shrunk themselves down to a food truck size, and they have a little piece of AstroTurf, a swath of AstroTurf, where you can sit on the park bench and eat in front of the uh, Yo Taco truck, and they were good. I bought a couple <laughs> tacos. They were delicious. For those of you who have not been to uh, Fort Myers, the Diamond Head Resort Hotel, which is down the street from Lani Kai, it was open yesterday, and there were cars in the park lot, and I'm guessing there was people sitting at the bar. So there were a couple restaurants open if someone was playing music outside the yucatan and yucatan had a, a pretty good crowd there but a lot of my places like nervous nelly's was closed um the smoking oyster brewery brewery was closed of course the aforementioned well the mermaid which is across the street from the well which allowed cigar smoking is oh. not there anymore oh. 
Uh, I know the cottage is gone. The cottage used to have live music, and it was like the thirty-something, the forty-something-year-old crowd would hang out there. You know, um, just a, a lot of old haunts uh, don't aren't there anymore. And what's going up is this Dog on Margaritaville Resort um, that uh, I'm actually writing about this for Sunday. So I'm not going to say too much more because yeah. I'm writing I'm writing about this for Sunday. So check out Sunday's paper. Yes, I'm writing about uh, what a Twins fan can expect. Like three to five years from now okay. when it comes to Fort Myers Beach. I like it. Um, final thing, it sounds like you, obviously you get around there. You, you've been a man around town. So not surprising when you told me that you have a connection to the new Gopher women's basketball coach, uh, not new Gophers women's basketball coach, uh, Don Plutzowitz. So who, who do you know that knows her? Uh, a really good friend of mine through the years. I met her uh, after a Twins game at Pot Sports Cafe. Okay. Her name is her name is Sheila Rue. Sheila played basketball at Crookston and she became a women's basketball coach. Okay. Um, been an assistant in several places, including like Illinois State and University of UMass. Oh, sure. And she actually she was a head coach for like three or four years at Columbia University. So okay. um, she's out of the game now. She's into like real estate, but she's friends with uh, Plusenheit? Plutzowitz. Plutzowitz. No, Plutzowitz. Plutzowitz. You're right. Yeah. Plutzowitz. Yeah. Plutzowitz. Plutzowitz. It's easy to spell. It is. It's easy to spell. To pronounce, I keep wanting to put the U first, but it's Plitza White. Plitza White. Plitza White. Yeah. So um, she knows her, and she said that was a great hire. And uh, Sheila's coach—I could just call her coach. Coach said that uh, the new Gophers coach is down to earth. Yep. That she relates well to players, and she knows how to push the players' buttons to get the most out of them without striking a nerve. Okay. And, and she also has familiarity recruiting in that Minnesota sure. area. Yeah, she's going to be great there. So she's she was really high on the hire. Okay, well, I, I I saw good things from her on Monday when I was out at her news conference. Did a lot of the show on Tuesday. So one more uh, one more person saying good things about her does not surprise me at all. Well, Lavelle, appreciate all the time. Hope you guys uh, get around there in good shape or close down this camp in just a week. Hey man, things are coming north pretty quick. Hope we're ready for it. Hope the weather turns here pretty soon so we can play some baseball up here in just a few weeks. Absolutely. It's time for baseball, baby. Let's do it. Thanks, Lavelle. All right. Thanks for having me. Good stuff from Lavelle in his element down in Florida. You can tell he's got a little bounce in his step. He's got uh, got a lot of good takes right now. So it's fun to catch up with him and get some good Twins insights from him. He, of course, covered the Twins for many, many years for the start to be before transitioning to a columnist role a couple of years ago. And let's finish with the cooler Vikings mock draft. I try not to pay too much attention to these because nobody really knows what's going to happen, and there's you know, versions of them. Mock draft 1.0, one mock draft 2.0, like their software releases or something like that. Like you're, like these are really all that special updates. But got to take a, just a moment here to acknowledge that uh, Daniel Jeremiah um, does a lot of these mock drafts. Um, has now. The Vikings taking at number 23 overall, Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker. Interesting there. He's kind of outside what's classically decided as, been, as being the, the big four uh, quarterback prospects, uh, Anthony Richardson, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, and Will Levis. Um, but you've seen him a lot. Uh, he did well at the combine. You've seen him move up some people's rankings. Some people have him like number two or number three overall quarterback prospect now. Feels like it could still be a reach. He's an interesting, interesting prospect. He's 25 already, coming off an ACL injury, but he had two very productive seasons his last two years at Tennessee. He's thrown a lot of balls. He's very accurate, does not throw interceptions. I think what his last two years, 
59 touchdowns and five interceptions, something like that. It's it's unbelievable. So you got to take that into consideration. I don't know if the Vikings would do that at 23, but I'm I'm curious. I'm I'm intrigued always by the up by the possibility of a quarterback. I'm intrigued by you know he would not have to play this year. Obviously he's he's coming off the ACL, and the Vikings still have Kirk Cousins under contract this year. Is that an option at 23? Could they trade down and still be able to take him? That would be risky if you're kind of building this plan around the idea that you're taking him, but he probably could be had later in the first round or even at the top of the second round so they could play that game and accumulate some more picks to uh, to address some of the other needs on the team. So interesting to think about that. Hennon Hooker from Tennessee showing up on Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft again. Who knows where the chips will ultimately fall, but I found that to be interesting, and I'll be checking that out as time goes on as we get a little, only about a month away from the draft now. That'll do it for today. Hoping to have Casey Hankinson, former Gopher hockey player, on Thursday's show, getting ready for the Gophers to play Canisius Thursday in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Just wanted to catch up with Casey. I covered him forever ago with the Gophers hockey team when I was at the Minnesota Daily back in the late 90s. Um, just stayed in touch with him. Great guy. Just wanted to get his perspectives on the program and what uh, what this turnaround this season and just the fun of this season has meant to him. So hoping to bring you that on Thursday's show. Until then, I'm Michael Rand. Enjoy the rest of your day. Back at it again tomorrow.